Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello and happy Brandon Thought Day right here on the PHNX d podcast. Of course, my name is Derek Monte, occasionally known as the mayor of PHNX. This is my vice mayor and your thunderstick, the one and only Jesse Friedman. We're actually not PHNX today, Derek. We are PF <laughs> HNX. That's how that's all, all my titles all year long. Any game he started was like that. A ski to you all, big ski to the Brandon Fott family and Brandon Fott himself. Uh, we are very excited to talk about Brandon Fott's tremendous rookie season that he had that culminated in one of the best postseason runs we've ever seen from a pitcher on this franchise. But before we get to that, yes. uh, we did have, of course, some exciting things to talk about, Jesse. We are officially 99 days away from the opening day of Major League Baseball's regular season in 2024. That's the, nine, nine. That's the Diamondbacks opening day, right? Um, that's I think that's baseball's opening. Well, day. I believe there's the game in Korea happening. Oh, what, is that like an a, actual regular season? I think opening that is day? an actual is regular what, season. Uh, yesterday, MLB yes. had 100 days yesterday. So, but maybe they're not factoring that game in either. Maybe they just mean the regular uh, opening day of the regular season. But yes, that's definitely the Diamondbacks opening day, um, which means, of course, nothing's happening right now. It's two weeks before Christmas. Everybody's, or not before Christmas, but it's two weeks around Christmas. Everybody's on holiday. Everybody's taking some time off. Um, what are you going to do with yourself for the next 99 days? Is that enough time for us to get ready for the 2024 season? Probably not. No. Uh, yeah, I still feel like after the postseason run, this this offseason is not going to feel nearly long enough. Uh, I don't know if I'll have fully, I haven't fully recovered, and I don't know if I'll have fully recovered then. No. Um, no, definitely not. But uh, also, Tori will still have his Christmas lights up on his house, I'm sure. But correct. He's not going to yes. have time to take those down. 99 days? No way. No way. Not enough time. But uh, the Diamondbacks did make a move. Uh, exciting. Uh, I, I don't think we should use the Espo breaking news sounder for this. But uh, <laughs> the Diamondbacks did claim Colin Snyder off waivers from the Kansas City Royals. Uh, he is a 28-year-old righty reliever. And honestly, um, could be one of those... Uh, Mike Hazen reclamation projects that works out for this team. His numbers last year, not great. Uh, he, and his numbers in AAA also weren't very great, but he does have a pretty good sinker, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, there, there's some there's some intrigue here. Looking at Snyder's arsenal, you can understand why the Diamondbacks wanted to make this move. Um, but yeah, the, the numbers uh, numbers aren't fantastic. No. Uh, 4870 <laughs> RA, a 1.82 whip in 20 and a third innings with the Kansas City Royals out of the bullpen this past season. He had more walks than strikeouts. Um, 
And yeah, he had a 5.91 ERA when in AAA this past year as well. So for a guy who's 28 years old, you know, um, obviously not uh, not an ideal uh, not an ideal place to be for him in, in his major league career. But yeah, I mean, you know, we've we've certainly seen moves like this pan out on occasion where you know one team is sort of willing to move on from a guy and he he finds his way with with the next team who who claims him. So. Yeah, the arsenal here is interesting. He throws a 96-mile-an-hour sinker uh, that has a considerable amount of drop to it. Uh, he His slider is around 85 miles an hour. That's his, his primary secondary pitch. Uh, that pitch fared quite well this past season, actually, a 36% whiff rate. Uh, opposing hitters hit just 067 against that pitch. Obviously, a pretty small sample, uh, given that he only threw about 20 innings. But uh, yeah, the opposing hitters also hit 487 off of his sinker. So uh, there's some work to be done there. But, you know, a 96 mile an hour sinker and an 85 mile an hour slider with good movement, you can understand why the Diamondbacks would be intrigued enough to want to make this move. I I feel like for a while uh, until maybe... Maybe, maybe until maybe he's not good until maybe he has that outing where uh, he blows a game. I am forever going to reference Ryan Thompson whenever, you know, Mike Hazen makes a move like this for a reliever, because again, sure. there, there was something different about Ryan Thompson. We kind of dove into his numbers and we did see there that, you know, his, his, his limited innings pitched kind of made his numbers blow up. He only really had like a couple of bad outings and outside of that was actually uh, not bad at all with the Tampa Bay Rays, but when they DFA'd him, the Diamondbacks were quick to pick him up, and he was just lights out for this team, uh, not only for the time, rest of the regular season, but in the postseason. So it does feel like Hazen has the ability, perhaps at times, to see some of these kind of guys that that might have some promise and you know think about bringing them over, pairing them with Brent Strom and seeing what Brent could potentially get out of them as a pitching coach. Yeah, he does. I also want to add he has a minor league option. So the D-backs, you know, putting a waiver claim in and, and claiming him doesn't mean that they like have to keep him on the major league roster or anything. He's a depth piece for them. Someone who is on the 40 man. He does take up a spot on the 40 man roster, but not a guy who, you know, has to make the major league roster in order to stay in the organization. Which is interesting because he does bring their 40 man roster full. And Jacob in the chat asks, yes, what's the delay on announcing Guriel? Physical not done or trying to trade someone off 40 man instead of DFA. You are you are ahead of us, Jacob, but that's exactly where we were going with this because the Diamondbacks do need to clear space for Lourdes Gurriel Jr. And as you alluded to, uh, Jesse was kind of, you know, hypothesizing that this could be due to the Diamondbacks trying to get a trade done uh, right now at this point. It is very possible. Yeah. I mean, in years past when the Diamondbacks have needed a 40 man roster spot, Frankly, it hasn't always been difficult for them in some ways, uh, just from like a transaction standpoint. They've generally had guys on the 40 man roster that, you know, you could you could sort of let go. And and it was just kind of, you know, not that the D-backs wanted to do that. But at this point, the you know, the talent level on this 40 man roster has reached a level where there aren't any clear options that you could just, you know, designate for assignment or, yeah. you know, guys who could easily pass through waivers. That's just not, that's just not really the reality of the situation anymore. Um, you know, you look at guys on the 40 man, I, I can't really think of anyone who I could easily see the diamondbacks, you know, being willing to do that. 
Diego Castillo, maybe, you know, didn't, maybe Peter Strzelecki, Peter Strzelecki. Uh, yeah, maybe, but he's kind of a, I, I view him as being at least a valuable depth piece. Someone that sure. can, can, you know, be in triple a and you know, you can, you can use him if, if you need to, the diamondbacks traded Andrew Chafin for him and seemed to seem to like, uh, seem to like some things about him. So yeah, there aren't really any clear options here for the Diamondbacks to to create that spot. And if you're in that situation, then making a trade is kind of the, the way to try to get around that. Let's do something that's absolutely terrible, like arbitration, and try to decide which guys that the Diamondbacks might be willing to part ways with in a trade off the 40-man roster that would potentially clear up some of that space. Now, I know he could be a future starting pitcher for this, uh, you know, for this team, but Blake Walston is an interesting prospect as far as trading him. Is that somebody that you would feel comfortable with the Diamondbacks parting ways with if that leads to them adding to their starting rotation now, like a, a move for a starting pitcher that brings, you know, someone? Yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't expect this trade to be all that significant necessarily. Okay. I mean, it, it could be, okay. you know, we, we give you two guys that you'll put on your 40 man. We, we take back one, one guy. guy that we'll put on our 40 man, you know, yeah. maybe the D backs take back a prospect or two. It's, it's not necessarily a trade that would have a big impact on the major league roster. Although, I mean, I guess it could, I guess it could be part I mean, of a larger thing that they're trying to get done. They've said that they have, are trying to get that done. And when, again, there's not like, a package here <laughs> outside outside the guys you don't want to trade there's not a lot of guys here that you figure could really move the needle on a big trade for a big like starting pitcher or like a corbin burns or something like that right so yeah i get what you're saying as far as it being a little bit more of a low-key move that just kind of makes a roster spot and allows the diamondbacks to be able to add lordis for now they are still active though and it's going to be interesting to see how a trade could impact this because we don't know. We don't know the size of a trade that they could be attempting to pull off or what assets, what pieces that that they could be, you know, adding in there. Uh, right now on their 40-man roster, as far as, like, outfielders go, they have Jorge Barosa, Dominic yeah, they're Fletcher, not, they're not DFAing, Smith. not DFAing Jorge Barosa. Oh, no, I'm not sure. suggesting that they no, DFA any of these No, I'm not saying you are. I'm just, yeah. yeah, I'm just saying, like, kind of thinking through all these names. Barosa yeah. is, a def- is a definite no. Um I mean, Paven Smith, I, I guess I, I could, but the D-backs would, would want to try to trade yes. Paven Smith. Yeah. He's not, he's right. a guy who at least has enough value where you wouldn't just want to get rid of him for nothing. Same and I thing think, with Jace, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm yeah. going to say Jace Peterson is the same thing, right? Like I know that he right. has uh, his, his uh, rough, you know, uh, start with this team, but there's still value there. And of course, packaging them together for one player, you know, not only could potentially bring in a quality, perhaps reliever, maybe a back-end starter even, and then it also, due to the, you know, assets the Diamondbacks give up, free up those roster spots so that they can add Lourdes and, and also maybe add, add you know, the DH, because that's also something that's pending. If they do add a DH from free agency, there's another roster spot that they have to forget. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. It's not just that they have to make a, a spot for Lourdes. They probably have to make a spot for, you know, at least one more guy after that, maybe, maybe multiple <laughs> Um, <laughs> Nicholas says Pavin and Jace for Beaver. Who says no? The Cleveland Guardians probably. Yeah, the Cleveland Guardians probably. <laughs> They'd probably say no. say no to that. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of guys that I know. Yeah, at least mentions Pavin Smith and Emmanuel Rivera as being guys who don't have you know yep. clear opportunities for playing time. Yeah, there, I mean, there's a lot of guys on the 40 man where you don't necessarily project them to have big major league roles, but you still want to have depth at every at every position and guys who are in the minors who you could bring up, you know, if you absolutely needed them. 
So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this pans out. Um, you know, I mean, maybe maybe this isn't that the D-backs are trying to make a trade. Maybe, uh, you know, uh, I think the deal was pending physical on Sunday. So maybe that hasn't happened yet. Or, yeah. you know, maybe that the physical was done and, and there were some unexpected findings or whatnot. I guess that's at least an outside possibility. So maybe Lourdes is just with his family on vacation. Yeah, and, and, yeah. And, it could be that Lourdes know. wasn't in the country or whatnot. They just needed some time to, to figure some things out. So it's not alarming, but I, I would have expected it to have been yeah. announced at this point. So it is it we're, is interesting we're waiting. for sure. We're waiting is basically what we're saying. We're definitely waiting for this news to break. Uh, by the way, make sure to check out Jesse's article on gophnx.com covering uh, why Lourdes Gurriel could age better than most and how he fits on the D-backs roster. And it's a wonderful piece. This guy never stops. So make sure to check out everything he has going on over at gophnx.com. Also, uh, I'll tell you this much. I know physical items are typically what we think of as gifts, but sometimes a better gift is experiences and game time has you covered for any of those tickets you want to give someone this holiday season for a concert, for a show, show, most importantly, for a sporting event, uh, you can get tickets to upcoming uh, everything. Last-minute tickets. It's the best place for last-minute ticket deals. It's the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Uh, those tickets make absolutely great holiday gifts. Don't like that is that is the gift to give the person that has everything. You know, there's those hard to shop people for in your life, like this guy over here next to me. He's just he's he's I I, I don't I can't read him. I don't know anything about him. He's an enigma to me. So, you know, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get him tickets to a son's game is what I'm going to do because he'll love that. But are you actually going to get me? Tickets? No, wow, now you're not you're, spending that kind of money on you. All right. Get out of here. Uh, but you can snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code PHNX for $20 off your first purchase. Terms do apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PHNX for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Uh, Another great place to check out this holiday season, some burrows. I went to some burrows this weekend and got one of the greatest breakfast deals that I could have ever imagined. That for five dollars, for five dollars, ridiculous breakfast deal. I got a breakfast burrito and a coffee with horchata in it. It was absurd. It was delicious. It was incredible. Horchata is uh, uh, an amazing addition to coffee that I did not know until this weekend but you had coffee with horchata <laughs> in it that is as like the cream pretty basically. fun yeah, yeah it's, it's amazing great. it was delicious it was electric uh and some burrows uh provided me with all of that excellence and just for five dollars it was an incredible uh incredible value so make sure to check out some burrows uh most valley locations I, I don't know if all of them do but they even have a drive-thru i didn't know that i thought yeah. it was like a you know I, I didn't know they had a drive-thru so that made it even easier for me to go there they also have easy party platters this holiday season uh to feed the entire crowd you have come into your home if you're like me and you have the, the family coming over so check out their locations throughout the valley and in flagstaff you're never far from delicious time-tested sonoran style recipes lovingly prepared since 1986 uh, let some burrows care cater all your holiday fiestas big or small order online or find one near you by visiting someburrows.com seasons eatings with some burrows uh yeah and let me tell you don't miss out on that breakfast it's an incredible it was incredible uh but speaking of incredible things let's talk about Brandon Fott's incredible rookie season. It's hard to think of what he did this year as being his rookie year. I don't know if it's the aura about him. I don't know if it's, we're going to talk about how cool, calm, and collect, collected Brandon is at all times, almost to a fault. Our man Damon over here wants to see more emotion out of him, wants to see fire. You know what he's not going to get? Any of that, ever, because the guy's just too <laughs> cool for that, right? But 
Brandon Fott did transform over the course of this season from a guy who looked like he still had a lot of work to do to pitching in the playoffs as one of the best postseason pitchers in Arizona Diamondbacks history. And that's not hyperbole. That's actually backed up by his achievements throughout the postseason. His, his everything he did. Uh, and honestly, it's just been so much fun to watch. Corbin Carroll gets a lot of the talk about being, you know, obviously the rookie of the year and being the best rookie on this team. But there are so many young guys that kind of get lost. And, and Brandon Fott is, is one of them, considering that transformation he made throughout the course of the season. So we so we go into spring training, right? And there's all the there's all the young the young starting pitchers, right. right? There's Brandon Fott, there's Ryan Nelson, there's Dre Jameson, and there's Tommy Henry. And of course, Diamondbacks fans are all convinced that out of those four, Brandon Fott is the guy who clearly deserves a starting rotation spot above everyone else. Uh, and and granted, Ryan Nelson and Dre Jameson pitched really well at the end of of 2022. Uh, so, you know, I think they were both viewed pretty positively at the time as well. Tommy Henry struggled a little bit more in, in 2022 than some of the others. He was also certainly in the mix. Um, but I believe it was on March 19th, Derek, that the Diamondbacks made the decision to send Brandon Fott down to minor league camp. Uh, he did not make a team. And at the time, people were not so happy. Uh, at least some people were not so happy because Brandon Fott put up pretty darn good numbers in spring training. Uh, he did outpitch all of his competition uh, based on based on those numbers. And yet the Diamondbacks decided to go with, you know, with some of the other guys. Uh, right. Ryan Nelson wound up making the rotation. Dre Jameson uh, made the roster as a bullpen arm, which was kind of a last minute decision. Um, but it wouldn't be too long before we would see Brandon fought in the majors. He didn't make the opening day roster, but he winds up on the major league roster on May 3rd. This was right after Madison Bumgarner had been, uh, designated for assignment just a few days prior. And he got the Texas Rangers in his first, uh, uh, his first game in the majors, which is kind of funny to think with how the season ended at the Diamondbacks would wind up. He would wind up pitching against that same team oh, in the world. How, it was foreboding, I guess later. it was, it was, yeah, very foreboding. Um, but yeah, that, that start didn't go so well there. No, it didn't. Uh, yeah, he, you know, there were a couple of innings where a little shaky, but he was getting by. And, uh, when all was said and done, he, I mean, the Texas Rangers, certainly one of the best offensive teams, uh, in the game and there's a reason that they won the world series and uh that was a, a tough assignment for him and it didn't it didn't end particularly well it did not and of course from that point on we know that he kind of had an up and down season as far as being optioned he was optioned on may 27th recalled again on june 29th optioned one day later on june 30th and then recalled on july 22nd and the most significant thing that happened there is that phone call that we talked about yes. uh, with, with the one and only Brent Strom that happened while he was on vacation during the All-Star break or you know, he's back home in, in Louisville, which we will, we will make sure to say that correctly. <laughs> but uh, he did get a call from Brent Strom that kind of changed his season, right? And I mean, yeah, he got a call from Brent Strom at like 11, 11 o'clock at night. night. Yeah. Like a mad <laughs> and, scientist, uh, literally. I think, he, I think he called him Marty. He's like, Marty, we got to go back. <laughs> like it was very much... Uh, back to the future kind of thing, you know, but he, you know, he received some pitching coaching, I guess, some coaching, some changing the side of the mound he was pitching from yep. a bit about his delivery, about uh, armed uh, deception and things like that, pitch deception. And next thing you know, Brandon Fott was 
uh, a very, very good starting pitcher. Uh, it seemed like a lot of his control issues kind of got fixed after Brent Strom called him with that change and after he worked a bit on it. I mean, he still had uh, some some performances, uh, up and down performances the rest of the season, but he definitely became a much better, more consistent pitcher after that point. He really did. Yeah. The second half of the season, you know, after that call up, as you mentioned on July 22nd, Brandon fought was a different pitcher the rest of the way. Uh, I think you can chalk up a decent amount of that to Brent Strom's idea to move him from the third base side of the rubber to the first base side. Um, I mean, it's hard not to correlation is not causation, but I mean, he became, you know, significantly more effective pretty much immediately upon that change being made. So it's, I don't know exactly how much of an impact it had. I think Fock got better at other things too, but it clearly played at least some role in the success that he had in the second half of the season. And that's a good point because Strom went on this whole tangent with us in the dugout at one point where he was like drawing like he was illustrating the the arm angle and yeah. he was illustrating how like just trying to explain how throughout the game especially that you know the the opposing batters can pick up based on your arm movement what kind of pitch you're going to throw and it was you know he was he was basically saying that when you throw from a you know same point it, it just helps with making it that much more deceptive as far as what pitch you're throwing and you know all of this stuff just makes so much sense to Brent Strom like to 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 us regular ass people, we just are like, why would why would throwing like a foot over make a difference? He's like, because it does. I'm not gonna <laughs> waste my time explaining it to you, but if you want to, I have this chart, right? And so <laughs> that's like like you said, it, you don't know how much exactly, but again, when it comes to control issues, it's not a matter of talent or his ability to throw pitches. Um, sometimes it's just a matter of needing a little bit of of coaching to to make sure that you are being a, a pitcher that that batters can't really pick up on what you're throwing. We should we should look at some numbers. Let's let's look at numbers. So, Jesse so loves Brandon Fott's full regular season stats. Not great. Uh 96 innings, a 5.72 ERA, a 22.3% strikeout rate, which is right around league average, 6.2% walk rate, which is lower than league average, so pretty solid there. Uh but a 1.41 whip, a 0.3 Foire, as Derek likes to say. I love that you said that. And entirely too many home runs, right? I mean, that entirely was entirely that was many. kind of the narrative throughout the season. Um, more so in in that first half, you know, those first couple stints when he was really struggling than the second half. But that and that and I think people kind of saw that coming. Like he gave up a lot of home runs in Reno as well. Granted, everyone gives up a lot of home runs in Reno, so it was a little bit hard to tell how much of that was just Reno and how much of that was the fact that Brandon fought likes to throw. He likes to pitch up in the zone a lot, right? His arsenal kind of tailors to that. Uh, and, and on occasion that doesn't work out well for him. Occasionally that does end with, uh, with, you know, those pitches landing in the seats. But if we look at a breakdown of his season in the first half versus the second half. So this is the first two stints in the majors on the left side, and then that final stint on the right side, a lot of things got better, right? His ERA was 9.82 in those first six starts. It was 4.22 in the second half of the season over 13 appearances. His whip went from 187 to 124. And perhaps most importantly, his home run per nine went from 3.2, which is extremely high, to 1.7 in the second half, which is still high, but it is not so high that you can't be a reasonably good and effective starting pitcher 
And that's exactly what Brandon Fott was for the D-backs in, in the second half of the season. The second half is also a much bigger sample size. And I feel like, obviously, with the smaller sample size on the left, there is that fact that bad outings can impact that ERA and such greatly. But, uh, you know, I think this is the reason why you, the, the season stats do not show the value of Brandon Fott and what he has become. More importantly, I think it's about the potential here for what he can continue to become, right? I think that's the big uh, thing that we saw not only towards the end of the season, but in the playoffs. Those were high-pressure situations, and that is truly where he earned, you know, the big game Brandon nickname, right? Because in the playoffs, he was just incredible. But again, it's it, you can look at those numbers and – especially someone that's not familiar with Brandon Fott, a, a fan of another team, and, and maybe even say, like, why would we trade for a guy with these god-awful numbers? And it's because that doesn't tell the true story of, of who he is or who yeah. he's become. And and especially when you see the way that he pitched in, in the postseason, you can't help but think that, that even that second-half ERA of 4.22 is going to lower down maybe a sub-4 next season. If that's the case, and these other guys, Eduardo Rodriguez, Zach Gallon, Merrill Kelly, continue to do what what they do. That's that's a formidable uh, foursome of of starting pitchers that the Diamondbacks will have going uh, every, every couple of days there. Yeah, it it really is, and I think you know there's still some some moves to to be you know to be completed between now and when the season starts. But I think we can say right now, what was it, 99 days until opening day? Yeah. I think we can say right now that Brandon Fott is one of the X factors for the D-backs in 2024. Absolutely. Like if he comes out and he gives you 180 innings of a 370 RA, that's that I mean that could do wonders for this baseball team. I mean that could push this baseball team, you know, really into that that upper echelon, that upper tier of of teams around the league if you have, you know, not only Gallon, Kelly and Rodriguez doing what you expect them to do. But Brandon fought, you know, kind of joining the fray and, and being almost as effective as, as all those other guys. It would it would be incredible. And based on what we saw in the second half and in the postseason, I don't think it's all that outrageous to think that Brandon fought could take that kind of a step forward in, in 2024. He really Absolutely. was. He really was effective down the stretch. He gained so much experience throughout the season. And of course, you know, it's it's not easy adjusting from the minor leagues to the major leagues. We've seen that he didn't have that clean, you know, jump to the major leagues like Corbin Carroll did, but few rookies do few guys uh, end up yeah. coming up and staying up their whole season the way that Carroll did. But uh, let's take a look at a couple of baseball savant pages, shall we? Because I know that's this guy's favorite thing. Uh, first, 100%. we have Brandon Fott, uh, Fott page uh, for the season. Yeah, which is, I mean, like his season stats, it's not pretty. Uh, I mean, you wouldn't expect it to be. He had an ERA of almost six if you combine all of the numbers together. Um, but there are, even even here, there are still some some numbers that would suggest he was better than that. His expected ERA was 4.48, which is way lower than his actual ERA of 5.72. Um, and yeah, I mean, a lot of these numbers are not are not, you know, alarmingly poor or anything. It's really just some of those at the bottom. You see the barrel rate in the third percentile. Um, barrels are are basically just ideal batted balls. These are the these are the batted balls that go for, you know, doubles, triples and homers pretty much. Those are he, those pitches right down the middle that he was throwing at the beginning of the season. Yeah, yeah. It, and that I mean, that's a good point. Like when he was struggling at the beginning of the season, it was a little hard to read like is this just his stuff isn't quite good enough or is this just that he's throwing it 
right down the yeah. middle a little bit too often. And I think we all kind of figured it was the latter that, you know, it doesn't really matter how good your sweeper is. If you're throwing it middle, middle, you know, in a, in a hitter advantage count, it's, it's not going to end well for you. It felt like he had difficulty adjusting when he wasn't hitting his spots, when his command wasn't there, when he wasn't able like, and he would be close, right? He would be out on the outside edge, but his pitches would be landing just outside of the zone. He wouldn't be getting the calls on the close calls from the umpire. And then it would almost seem like the adjustment for him would be, all right, now I'm throwing it like dead center down the middle, right? And yeah. uh, that that was the that seemed to be the problem, but that's something that he definitely seemed to correct in the postseason. Because now let's take a look at his postseason. Do we do we have it? Do we have the postseason? Look, this is his postseason baseball savant page. Holy the, shit. There's some there's some bright red here, Derek. Some bright red. There's oh. some very, very bright I red. I think even the listeners on the audio podcasting side can see this because of how bright red his <laughs> chase rate is, his whiff percentage, his K percentage, his walk rate is. This is just incredible. He, he's still throwing ball, getting the barrel on the ball a lot, but aside and he's still giving up some very hard hit balls. But there was just a lot of a lot of deception, a lot of swing and miss from him in the postseason. And it was exciting to see because it was in some big scenarios against some big, big time baseball players. Uh, and he was just out there throwing gas, Jesse. He's just throwing gas in the postseason. Yeah, I mean, like, but at the same time, I mean, he's still throwing 93.5 miles an hour. Like, it wasn't like he was throwing was, any harder. Yeah, it was just, but, the, it was the way that he was making his pitch because there was just, yeah, there, there were a lot of pitches that, again, if they didn't swing at them, they 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 were balls maybe that be but it was just it was the way that pitchers just seemed or batters excuse me seemed lost uh, in what he was doing at the plate and he just was so confident about it I yeah. mean striking out you know some of these guys and then just calmly walking off the mound back to the dugout it's uh, I am too Puerto Rican to even understand being that calm in a situation <laughs> like that I'm sorry I can't okay so I have to go a little deeper on some of these numbers so. So Brandon Fott's chase percentage was in the 95th percentile. This is like if you take his chase rate from the postseason and you pretend that it was that it happened in the regular season, it would have been in the 95th percentile of all major league pitchers based on whatever process uh, they use over at StatCast. His whiff rate would have been in the 97th percentile across baseball. The combination of those two things is outrageous. Yeah, like that's something that. I don't know. This is something I should try to do. I'm not sure we could find a single pitcher in baseball who has a chase rate and a whiff rate that are that incredibly good. Uh, a lot of times pitchers who get a lot of who get a lot of strikeouts, they're they're like really elite at one or the other. They're either getting you to swing at a bunch of pitches out of the zone or you just like can't hit whatever they're throwing, no matter no matter whether it's in, in the zone or, or outside the zone. But doing both of those things at this elite a, a level is is really unprecedented. If you if you look at Josh Hader, Derek, Josh Hader in 2023, considered the best strikeout pitcher in the sport. He was 92nd percentile in chase rate and 91st percentile in whiff rate. So, so postseason Brandon Fott was better at getting guys to swing out of the zone and better at getting guys to swing and miss in general than the greatest strikeout pitcher in baseball in Josh Hader, who's probably about to make $100 million as a closer. That is that is just to kind of put in perspective, just like the volume of whiffs that Brandon Fott was getting in the postseason it was it was unreal. 
And obviously, you know, the Phillies, they're, they're a little bit of a free swinging team at time. That's, that's maybe a bit of a weakness for them, but for Brandon fought to go and do what he did, uh, not only in that series, but really like throughout the postseason as a whole was, was really incredible. Went out and joined Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling, uh, for the most strikeouts in a postseason by a diamondbacks pitcher. Uh, he also had the highest K per nine, uh, rate amongst Arizona Diamondbacks starting pitchers in a single postseason with a minimum of three starts. What he did was incredible, legendary. And uh, again, much to Damon's chagrin, he did it in, in, in such a calm manner. He did it like he had been there right. before a hundred times. And that was what was just so incredible about him as a person, right? And I mean, there's you you could sit there and talk about all of these numbers. Some of the things that he did were just um, historic. I mean, I mean, especially for a rookie to be doing it in his first postseason appearance. But uh, the 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 exciting part isn't just what he's done in the past because that's behind us now. It's it's the idea that he could build on that and he could be potentially this pitcher uh, in the regular season for this team. Uh, and those are that's that's ace stuff. That's a stuff that he has. I mean, the future of this team is in good hands. When we wonder what's going to happen if Zach Gallon and Merrill Kelly do move on, uh, Brandon Fott is is a very very good pitcher to have on, on your roster right now for for yeah. the future, right? In so in the postseason, there were a total of uh, was five appearances altogether, five starts, uh, twenty two innings, a three two seven ERA, a one oh nine WHIP, five walks compared to twenty six strikeouts. Just, yeah, like Brandon fought in the postseason was everything that the Diamondbacks needed him to be and more. Um, and it didn't actually start all that well. If you go back, I actually, just for fun, uh, the other day, this is what I do in my free time. Uh, I watch, I rewatch uh, Diamondbacks postseason games and try to like pick up on things that I might not have noticed uh, in, in the first place. And I watched Brandon fought pitch uh, game one of the wildcard series against the Milwaukee Brewers. It was not an especially good start to his postseason. Uh, two and two thirds innings, seven hits, three runs, one walk, four strikeouts. Uh, I think he he got a little bit unlucky in that game. The Brewers had some dinky hits here and there. Very true. I don't think he pitched quite as poorly as that final line would show. But um, but yeah, I mean, it wasn't a very good start to what turned out to be a a really impressive postseason. But even in that game. Like he struck out four guys after getting in, in a heap of trouble in the first inning. He struck out the side, I think. I think he struck out three consecutive Brewers hitters in order to get out of that in the first inning. And they just like couldn't catch up to his fastball. Yeah. It was like Brewer, like the, even even when it was in the strike zone, they were just swinging through his, his heater over and over again. And, you know, throughout the postseason, it was maybe not so much the four seamer, but his sweeper was just an, an incredible pitch. His sweeper had a whiff rate over 50%. Yeah. In the yeah. postseason, which means that when you swing at Brandon Fought Sweeper, you're missing more than half the time, which is which is just bonkers. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a ridiculous, a ridiculous whiff rate, and it's why the savant, the little savant page emulation thing that we made, it's why those numbers are so crazy. Like you have a you have a, a whiff rate over fifty percent on your primary out pitch. That's that's just otherworldly type numbers. And uh, I mean, there were moments in the postseason where that's what Brandon fought looked like. I mean, yeah, especially that start against the Phillies, the five and two thirds innings with nine strikeouts where Tori Lovello said that he was booing himself as he walked out of the dugout right. to remove Brandon <laughs> fought from the game. Like There were moments when 
it was a level of dominance that that we had just we had never seen yeah. from Brandon Fodder, really just about anyone else. He was he was that good. And that remains the question is again, are we going to see that version of him? And it it feels yeah. it feels more likely because again, we know what he we know the numbers he was putting up in Reno. And those seemed just crazy considering it was Reno. Like few pitchers end up having some of the numbers he had in AAA just due to the environment in which they pitch. Same thing with right. Amarillo, right? So we knew Fott's stuff was good and we knew it would play well at a major league level. It just seemed like it took him some time to adapt and adjust. And luckily he's under an incredible pitching coach in Stromy who, you know, ended up being able to give him the correct advice. Oftentimes when you hear about legendary pitchers in baseball that ended up having a you know glorious career, they will talk about some piece of advice they got given at some point that was kind of career changing for them. And sure. this might technically have been that for Brandon Fodd. I'm sure he's received lots of those. And um, he's you know been a very coachable player his entire life. We actually have his little league coach here in a moment talking about that. But it's just it's very exciting because again, this entire situation is a group of guys that were, were just were just making their debut in major league baseball and and they just came along so fast his season doesn't even feel like it all happened in one year it felt like <laughs> feels like he it's been three seasons for him to get yeah to this that's point. so true like there you were know? there were like distinct phases of this season there was the initial call-up which is rough there was the second call up when he pitched one game against the Tampa Bay Rays and it did not go well for him. And he got sent down again the very next day. And then there was a last call up where it was like, all right, Brandon Fott is starting to look like a, at least like a league average, pretty, pretty productive major league starter. And then there was the postseason when like the Phillies just like swing and miss at the, every single mm-hmm. secondary pitch that yeah. Brandon Fott throws. Yeah. At least that's the way it the way it felt in that in that game three i think the big question for me for fought moving into 2024 is you know what does it look like for him to pitch into the sixth and seventh inning because that's something we didn't see very true in in the postseason as much right a lot of these starts were pretty short he only averaged a little over four innings per start in the postseason. Obviously, that was by design. The D-backs, you know, they were they were playing it careful, as teams often do with young starters in the postseason. Sure. Heck, the Dodgers weren't even willing to allow Ryan Pepio to start a game in the postseason. That's true. Um, the Diamondbacks didn't have a choice, obviously. Yeah, but, the Diamondbacks didn't have a choice, but, yeah, but to but count you're right. on Brandon Fodden, and, and he very much delivered. Game one of the wildcard series, 67 pitches. Game three of the NLDS, 42 pitches. Game three of the NLCS, 70 pitches. Game seven in the NLCS, 64 pitches. Yeah. Uh, and then the one that he threw the most was game three of the World Series, where where he threw 87 and had five and a third innings pitch. But uh, he was still, he was just good. He was just good all postseason long. And of course, yeah, you're right, because uh, taking that next step and obviously during the regular season, it's going to be a different story with the way yeah. that Tori lets him go. He's not going to pull Va- or Tori doesn't allow Brandon Fott to go ever. like the third time Never, to the order ever. ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's going to be sustainable for a full season. So we, we are going to see what that looks like. And and it'll it'll be interesting. I mean, based on the picture that we saw in the postseason, I think it's reasonable to have some confidence that if you extend him out a little bit, he could still be a really effective, a really effective starting pitcher. And yeah, like we said earlier, I mean, his progress next season is is going to be one of the biggest X factors for this team. Well, 
uh, we know what time of the year it is, and you know, guy, you guys know I've been a huge fan of the holiday scratchers from Arizona Lottery. Uh, I, as much as he's not admitting it, I know that's what he's going to get me, and he's probably going to stop on his way to our planned dinner at Texas Roadhouse to get them, and I'm fine with that because holiday scratchers are an excellent gift. And again, uh, like I said on my uh, Twitter video, rule number eight is you do not have to share your winnings with the person that gave you a holiday scratcher. If you're the person giving out the holiday scratchers, though, Maybe you don't remind the person you're giving them to of this rule, but there is a scratcher for everyone on your list, and they start at just $1. You can win up to half a million dollars, so make sure you can you get yourself some holiday scratchers as well and give them to anybody on your list, whether they were naughty or nice. Let's be honest. They all deserve some love. Go out and buy your holiday scratchers today. Find a retailer like our friends at Circle K near you at ArizonaLottery.com. You must be 21 or older to play. Uh, and also, make some money over at BetMGM. Uh, it's not it's it's fun time of the year to be getting down on the same game parlays. I I, I started betting the under on Sun stuff. Oh, I don't know what to tell you. You did it, and I, I bet it worked. I, I mean, it did work. You're absolutely right. It worked. I mean, these guys just I don't. They're so lost. They're so lost, especially defensively. But what are you betting the under on? Because like you can't really bet the under on like Kevin Durant and Devin Booker because they're still doing their thing. Mm. Like you actually can. Anything else that when is they're good. supposed to always score like thirty points a game, it's kind of I mean, easy they sometimes. For, I mean, didn't Katie have like forty yesterday? Yeah, yeah. They still I lost, know, man. I know. I'm telling you, man, it's not been easy. But it doesn't mean I can't make some money while I'm watching them. Uh, you can too, and you can download the BetMGM Sportsbook app right now on iOS or Android, or visit BetMGM.com and sign up using our promo code of PHNX. If you deposit at least ten dollars into your newly created account and place your first wager of that amount or more you'll receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if your bet loses. If your bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once your initial wager is settled. You can sign up today at BetMGM and use that bonus code of PHNX. Make sure to do so, and you will get that up that up to $1,500 back. Place your first BetMGM Sportsbook wager through the mobile application of at least $10. If that bet loses, your bonus bets will be available once your initial wager is settled. Check out the show notes for full details, and now listen to Shane talk about the disclaimer. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Nevada, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369, New York. Call 1-800-327-5050, Massachusetts. 21 plus to wager. Please gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP, Arizona. 1-800-BETS-OFF, Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help, Michigan. 1-800-981-0023, Puerto Rico, in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., New York, or Ontario. 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 You ever right. been to Ontario? No, not once. No, not wow. once. I think we're going to have to do the show from yeah, there. Yeah, PHNX D-backs family trip to Ontario. They might make me mayor, Jesse. I don't know. It's, it better not be Ontario, California. Right? Oh yeah, no, just, we don't want to go there. We're no. talking about Canadian. Yeah, Ontario. that's right. That's right. Uh, well, we could actually look into how Brett, uh, how excuse me, um, Brandon Fott transformed from the pitcher he was at the beginning of the season. Uh, to the pitcher he became, but we would no, have no way to prove that. Like we said, we know he got some good advice. We know he got some good coaching, but there's something to be said about the person Brandon Fott is. And both Jesse and myself had a chance to get to know uh, some members of his family, some of his former coaches, his mom, who was absolutely delightful and refused, absolutely refused 
to be interviewed because she thought <laughs> that it could strongly impact his ability to go out there and perform. Uh, there, she, she just, I think she just had past experience. There's a correlation. The yes, more there was definitely correlation. The more media, the more home runs that Brandon would allow. I Correct. think that was the, that was the situation. They were so on their we way. We totally respected that. They were on their way <laughs> to interview her, I think during the NLCS. And she actually like both ran for her life and had her family members <laughs> stop them from coming over and talking to her it's totally fair i respect yeah, it totally i fair. respect the hell out of it but <laughs> the one thing everybody said about brandon is the fact that this is kind of the guy that he's always been we saw him do some incredible uh postseason interviews in front of a media room just packed to the gills with people and cameras and microphones and all of this stuff and again much like the way that he performed on the mound he performed in these interviews in these media sessions which he very much does not like from what we've understood uh like a pro like a guy that's done it a million times before and i mean it was just it it actually absolutely was no surprise to so many of his family members and his former coaches that he is this guy right i mean they've kind of said that his entire life ever since he was a kid in little league he was kind of this guy yeah yeah i mean it, it was it, it was pretty fun. I mean, the backstory here is that you and I were were walking around uh, trying, before game three of the World before Series. Game three of the World Series, uh, in which Brandon this was Brandon Fott's last uh, last outing of the season when all was said and done. And uh, yeah, we were doing like the man on the street thing. I had the camera. Derek's uh, doing the interviews, and you know we're going around talking to people wearing these cool like throwback D-backs uniforms and whatnot, just trying to talk to as many as many people as we can. And then we see an enormous pack of people who are wearing like all of them were wearing Brandon Fott stuff. Yeah, they're, yeah, either shirts it, or jerseys, Bellerman jerseys. We saw some Bellerman jerseys, Bellerman stuff. Yes, uh, it was not hard to pick out the Fott <laughs> uh, clan outside of, uh, outside of Chase Field. So it, it was. It, we called it the family with a P in front, right? That right, P, right. Family. The Fott, family. The Fott PF yeah, two family. A's. Yes, but yeah, um, they were delightful people. Um, we had, we had a chance to talk to a, a couple of them. His cousin skied at us. Which was yes. probably yes. a highlight for me. Besides his mom <laughs> telling us that she absolutely would not talk to us on camera, that was also uh, <laughs> she was a great very moment. nice to us. Oh she yeah, just, she was she great about it. The, the, which is yeah, very fair. Yeah, very she fair. was great about it. But um, here is his cousin talking about just Brandon and and kind of who he's been his entire career. Oh, I think just the growth that I've seen from Brandon, um, he's worked his ass off for it. He truly is the most genuine guy I know. Um, no ego at all. Uh, I'm his cousin, live out in Kentucky with him. Uh, but uh, just to see him, what he's done versus the Dodgers, the talent that they you know, have at, at bat, and then uh, the Phillies, to see him strike out, what was it, nine batters, I think? Something it was like crazy, that. yeah. Uh, it was wild. Just incredible. Uh, so we're all cheering for him in Louisville. Uh, so excited. Yeah. That's I, He taught me how to say that properly. Louisville, Louisville, well, you got, got it. it. I got it. Right. Yeah. There we go. Can we get? Uh, we we need Brandon correcting. He corrected uh, this Jesse. Was, this was the best Brandon fought moment. It really was. 20. I I know he did. I know the five and two thirds scoreless against the Phillies. But this was the best moment of He's Brandon Fought. I'm not going to argue Brandon that at all. 2023 season. So yeah, where's home? It's in Kentucky. 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 In Louisville or Louisville? Or? Yeah, Louisville actually, but I'll I'll say Louisville. To, okay, sorry. Yeah, all good. We won't get into that. <laughs> 
he, 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 you talking about me being mayor of city of Phoenix? He became mayor of Louisville with that whole statement. The, <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty the entire sure. entire city uh, retweeted us, I think, with that clip. There was, I don't remember exactly who it was, but there was a politician from Louisville who, who pulled correct. the clip. We posted this clip on, on Twitter and it's like the most viewed clip we've ever posted <laughs> on Twitter, which is hilarious to me. Uh, but yes, there were, there were some, uh, some Louisville, Louisville politicians who almost, were, I, I, I did, I did mess it up yeah. the first time. I, I will admit that, but that was, that was very, very funny. Uh, even his little league coach, Mike came out and, uh, he talked about how he went out to see his first outing against the Texas Rangers. Um, but he, here he is talking about just remembering Brandon of being so coachable and, and such a great young player when, uh, he was in little league. He's just such a coachable kid and, and a cool customer, you know. And, and we've talked over the last two or three months, you know, because you worried about how he got started and where he's at now and the phenomenal job he's done during the postseason. And uh, he just takes it a game at a time, yeah. you know. Yeah. And we're hoping for the best tonight. Uh, he was incredible. He was incredible. <laughs> Most Kentucky the accent guy ever. is amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, again, he comes from a family where his mom was uh, a basketball, a collegiate star in basketball herself. And I mean, his, uh, all of his teammates were there. Like there was just a lot of love there from people that were part of his career throughout. And you could tell that there's still that closeness uh, between him and them. You know, it's not just like a weird, like, Hey, we showed up because we knew this guy at one point. No, they still talk to Brandon and they're still very, you know, very involved in his life. And that's kind of, it's kind of wild for his little league coach to saying, I talked to him a little while ago and you know, blah, blah, blah. Like any, <laughs> you know, the fact that you still have that connection with so many people, especially people that had such a big impact on, you know, your life and your career just kind of shows his character and what a, what a like kind of, humble down down home guy kind of is like the whole calm thing is uh <laughs> the like that's not like an act like it truly is just who he is like what we saw there out of that press conference where he just so calmly corrects him and then <laughs> still is like yeah oh, you're not from there so i'll let you pronounce it however you want kind of deal it's amazing there is another funny moment which we don't we don't have this video unfortunately but um, you probably, you might've seen this on our social channels. I think we were, we posted this back when it, when it first happened, he was asked about like things he does, you know, getting away from baseball, whether he likes other sports. And his answer was that he doesn't like other sports or he said he, he likes sports. He likes all sports, but he just doesn't really feel the need to pay attention to and like he doesn't regularly follow sports outside yeah. of baseball. Um, and, and someone followed up and was like, all right, most athletes don't are not like this. Like what, what is it about other sports that you don't like? Um, and, and yeah, he clarified, he was like, I, I do love all sports, but, uh, and then he also mentioned that he was in a fantasy football league, uh, this year for the first time. So he started so watching, Tommy so he started, <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. That's next year. Um, but he, yeah, he said that he started watching football and he kind of likes it. So, hey, uh, look at, yeah, look at Brandon Fye, uh, broadening his horizons, watching a little oh, bit man. of NFL football. The residents of Louisville are going to be furious with him about that when it comes to basketball. They're big basketball people there. I'm sure he, he should watch some basketball at least, but um, I get it. I get it because, uh, yeah, I don't really watch any other sports myself anymore. <laughs> it's so hard. It's so hard. I mean, during the offseason, I'm good. Basketball, I've always had passion for. The Cardinals, it's just hard. It's hard. But uh, I do enjoy sports. How dare uh, you? I just, it's, 
It's, it's. I don't. I don't watch. I. I haven't watched a full length Cardinals fan. game. And <laughs> just can't do it. Just so, I'm not that. I'm not on that level. Nick, of fan. Nicholas said it earlier. The Coyotes and the D backs. We're holding it down for the city. We're doing it for the Valley right now. We're trying to do pretty, our best. Pretty remarkable comeback last night for the Coyotes. It is. It is. I mean, this Coyotes team is something special, and I probably shouldn't. I, I know. Again, this we're, we've talked Suns, we've talked Coyotes, we've even bashed the Cardinals on here. Uh, Altec ZZ says, "You know what's great? A delicious Four Peaks beverage. You know what's sad? Four Peaks isn't stocked in St. Louis near me. Someone tell them, please. We will get on that immediately, sir. Uh, and thank you so much for watching. We appreciate you watching out there. Thank you for the super chat, uh, and we'll try to get you." Uh, some four peaks out there. We'll, st- I don't know. We'll bring a bag to check in, uh, come out for a game. We'll smuggle you some back or something and check in. Just don't take it on, uh, on, on carry on because they'll make you pour it out. There you go. Um, but of course, uh, shout out to Brandon fought for everything he's done for this team. And it's very exciting that we get to continue to watch these guys be on this roster for a number of years. I, I think the best for Brandon fought is still to come to be honest. And that's a very exciting prospect. Yeah, I mean, it. I I am fascinated. I'm I'm just. I, I think it's going to be fun to see what Brandon Fott's development looks like in in 2024. And there are there are good reasons to believe that the D backs really might have something here. I mean, I I mentioned how incredible that sweeper was in the postseason. It was pretty incredible in the regular season too. I think it has the chance to be one of the, you know, one of the top 20 or 30 like secondary pitches in all of baseball. I think it's that good and. It, just kind of a matter of you know can the change up take a little bit of a step forward can his fastball command take a step forward the sinker was a really big pitch for him down the stretch kind of a, a mid-season adjustment that really paid off for him in the postseason it's a pretty compelling arsenal and you know he doesn't walk guys and uh there's a lot to like about his profile moving forward the one thing i really enjoyed uh watching him in the playoffs was it felt like he became a very cerebral pitcher that uh, the confidence had impacted that, right? Where like he was throwing stuff to guys during that, you know, those games against the Phillies that you just couldn't believe he's throwing with such confidence to yeah. these guys and having it work out. Like he knew he was facing aggressive hitters that were going to try to jump all over him based on his past, based on the fact he has given up a lot of hard hit balls and a lot of uh, barrels, you know, a lot of home runs. And he he totally played them. He played their he played on their aggressiveness, and it worked uh, in in incredible fashion. So there, he there's just executed his pitches so well. Yeah, I mean it was just like exactly where Gabby would set up. I mean the postseason is just another level of being able to execute those pitches. And we saw that like you know those those early season questions of is his stuff good enough to to really get major league hitters out at at a you know at a high level. In the postseason, we saw, yes, it very much is. If he's able to, you know, put those pitches where he wants to, which he was able to do remarkably well in the postseason, he has the stuff to be a, a pretty good major league starting pitcher. Well, if you are looking for, again, a place to hang out with your loved ones, your family this holiday season, and maybe not have that get together in your home, uh, Illegal Pete's is your go-to spot this holiday season. From catering to gift cards, they have the perfect gift for everyone at your holiday party. 
and could even be a great place for you guys all to get together, uh, drink some of the strongest margaritas in Arizona and have some of their mouthwatering food that will fill all of your heart's desires. Uh, whether you're shopping for a margarita maniac like Damon or a queso connoisseur like Jesse, Illegal Pete's is your one-stop shop to spread the cheer. Grab $100 in Illegal Pete's gift cards and get an extra $25 gift card for free. Looking for some fun stocking stuffers? Check out their holiday merch sale. All t-shirts are just $15 through the end of the year. So do not miss out on the goodness over at Illegal Pete's. Uh, and again, when it comes to all of the stress around the holiday season, a great way for you to alleviate all of that stress is with our friends at OG's Brands. It's also a great way to get a good night's sleep because I know sometimes with all of this uh, all of this holiday fun going on, it might be hard uh, to get a good night's sleep. So, so check out OG's Sleep Edition Gummy. They are incredible. Uh, they are a slam dunk for your taste buds. Plus, you can customize your experience based on desired effect and strength from their classics like the Fruit and Creams uh, to my favorite, which is Peg's Raspberry Orange RSO. There's something for everyone in the OG's lineup. To learn more about OG's gummies and where you can find them, head on over to ogsbrands.com. If you uh, if you show up to Illegal Pete's, there's like a 20% chance that I'll be there. Yeah. Wow. And if you show up <laughs> I'm to, there if, all the time. <laughs> if you show up to Illegal Pete's with OG's, there's like a 40% chance he'll be there. Correct. That's just... <laughs> Derek's got it on the money. <laughs> I know. I know. That's I know. where I was going with it next, but you beat me too. I haven't eaten anything really today and that sounds so good <laughs> that's, right now that's that's usually us we sit here and do these ad reads and be like mm, <laughs> we do our hot we do our one o'clock show on completely empty stomachs <laughs> no and talk breakfast about all this no lunch food just uh, <laughs> i hate my job <laughs> crunching stats and uh doing words saying words but of course uh we thank you guys for being here uh we are going to go feed ourselves eventually at some point tonight that's <laughs> we have to do that in order to sustain life but uh in the meantime you can follow us on twitter to find out how we did on taking care of ourselves. I'm at cap underscore caveman with a K. Jesse is at Jesse N. Friedman. Of course, the people's producer, Damon. He is at Damon Dog. That's D-A-W-G. We are Damon's dogs. Bark, bark. 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 Uh, of course, our show is at PHNX underscore D-backs, but all roads do lead to at PHNX underscore sports on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We thank you guys so much for stopping by. We appreciate your time. We also very much appreciate Brandon Fott. Uh, and remember, kids, <laughs> baseball is fun. But it's so much more fun when you absolutely shove in your rookie season in the postseason. <laughs>